Welcome back to another episode of Chappy Chats. So glad you could join me again this week. For you that have been joining me for quite a while, I hope you find this topic that we talk about today something that you can relate to. We were at our Panera Sunday School this morning and having our general conversations and about different areas, and my friend, one of them, brought up the fact that they were doing a series on mental health. And today's topic was going to be suicide, and she invited us to come uh, hear about it. And no, she didn't think I needed to hear it because I'm on the edge of a cliff or anything. She just thought I would find it interesting because of my background in counseling and dealing with people, dealing with this issue. And also, as a preacher, how would another preacher handle this subject of suicide? Because Within the church, we've gone from everywhere to it's okay to take your life out if you're in too much pain and suffering and you can end it and it's okay and God doesn't care. And that's from the other end where if you commit suicide, it's the unpardonable sin and you're absolutely bound for hell. Now, I do believe that somewhere in the middle of those two things is the truth. And I want to give a caveat as we start. From my Christian perspective, I do not think, as the preacher said this morning, that God ever condones the fact of killing yourself, that God would not want to encourage someone to kill themselves, nor would I, nor the preacher this morning, nor I think any of you would really want to encourage one of your family members or friends to take their own life. But having said that, I don't come down on the other side of it that if you commit suicide, you're absolutely going to hell. I believe that's up to God because I've always believed, and the preacher said it in a little different way, but I'll say it this way. I've always believed that our life is judged in totality and how we lived before God, how we sought God, how we were faithful to God, and then God, in His graciousness, makes His decision on the acts that we do. And as the preacher said at the end, that your salvation is not dependent on the last thing you do, but on what Jesus did. And I'll leave it at that as we start this conversation this week. How are we to look at mental health? Well, in the church, we have looked at it from every aspect of it was simply being demon-possessed, to that you were just crazy because you got dropped on your head or some disease had something happen in your brain. And, you know, maybe all of that is true. Maybe some of it is is that not so much demon-possessed as oppressed. Your thinking gets messed up. You have the wrong focus, the wrong perspective, and it goes around and causes you to think thoughts that you should not think, whether it's about killing yourself, killing somebody else, thinking about your worth or someone else's worth, and so your thinking gets messed up. But that's not really what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about is the fact that we do get messed up sometimes in our thinking and in our perspectives. And for me as a Christian, I believe we have a lot of help with that by the person whom I call the enemy of our soul. He wants us to ask some questions like Job asked, and he asked three questions, and this was pointed out today. And the first one was, why was I even born? Nobody seems to care about me. I don't seem to have any use or value. I just seem to be in a place of suffering, and nothing seems to happen for the good. 
And uh, it's back to what I said, I believe, last week or the week before from the old hee-haw song, Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. That's kind of the idea. Why was I even born? And then the next one is, well, okay, I was born. Why didn't I die at birth? Why didn't my life just be snuffed out then? Because I'm just taking up space. I'm just breathing someone else's air because I've not really accomplished anything. There's nothing that special about me. In fact, I'm behind other people, so why should I do that? And then the last one is, why can't I just die? You know, I worked in hospice, and there are a lot of people, I don't understand why God's keeping me around. Well, I didn't have a good answer to that. I still don't have a good answer to that because they don't appear to be doing anything for society, for themselves. They can't get around like they used to. Some of them can't even get out of bed. And so I kind of understand why they think that way. Why won't God just let me die? Well, I think they don't die because there's someone that needs one last word with them. They need to give someone a last phone call, a last prayer. Or maybe they need to give someone the chance to make up for a mistake in the past, or them to forgive them for a mistake in the past, or for nothing else, as I tell a lot of them, that have a faith in God, that you've lived a long time, you've seen a lot, and you have a lot of wisdom that you can use to pray over the rest of us because we're still finding it out. And God is leaving you here because you haven't used up your wishes, which are really called prayers from a perspective of faith, for God to answer in the lives of other people. So I don't know if any of those are true, but I believe that from my experience, those are true. So you're just left here. But how do we get in the mess? How do we get to the point that we want to end our life? And the reason we get there is because we get to hopelessness. We look at the situation, whether it's an illness, whether it's a thought pattern, an addiction, and we think there's no way out of this. And yet, around us, if we had take the time to look, we can see many people that have gotten out of the same mess, if not, who were in deeper than we are. But we don't look at that. And I'll tell you why. It's because the enemy of our soul is just like a physical, emotional, or sexual abuser. How do they get away with this abuse for so long? Well, whether you're talking about people being sex trafficked or you're talking about people who are abused in their home and they just put up with it for so many years, it's because many times they have isolated those people and disconnected them from anybody else in their life or at least anybody that really cared for them, that loved them and wanted the best for them. And in making that disconnection, and that isolation, then they have no hope because all they see. And you can see how that would be if a person had gone to drug program after drug program after drug program and nothing changes and something comes along and they're triggered and they're right back at being addicted again. Or maybe someone escapes from their trafficker just to be caught again. That's happened. But the point is that it is this separation and isolation that first starts to lead us down that road. And I'm going to tell you whether you believe in God or not. We were created 
for connection. We know this from a study they did, I believe, in Russia. I'd have to go back and read it, but I, I think it was an orphanage in Russia. And they would leave kids alone and not touch them and not talk to them, and pretty soon they would not thrive and they would die. But the ones they picked up and they talked to and they thought were worthwhile and could be a benefit to the state, they thrived. You see, we need that connection. I believe we need that connection to God also, but we definitely were created for a connection. And I think these past few years that we have gone through has helped us to exasperate that disconnection, that isolation. Because think about it. We really don't have to see anybody if we don't want to. We can order in our food and cook meals all the time. We can send out stuff and have it brought back to us. We can have someone clean our house and maybe see them once a month, once a week, every two weeks. We can have somebody mow our yard and we never have to talk to them. We can have our prescriptions delivered. We can video chat with our doctor over the telephone. And everybody's like, oh, this is so wonderful. Now people can be taken care of. But what about those moments in between that once every six month or three month talk you have with the doctor? Or maybe you have to see someone online to talk about your finances. What happens in that time in between when there is no connection. And how well connected are you when all you do is see someone on a screen? Let's say you just watch church online. Now, I understand there are some people that are handicapped and old and in nursing homes and different, and I understand why they get value in their faith in that connection, because that is their connection. But most of those people I've met would rather have the face-to-face -face connection. They yearn and desire to be back where they could be in close relationship with people. And that's important. But sometimes we can't do that. So that's okay. But if you can connect, and you can associate with, and you can not isolate yourself, I suggest you think about that this week. Because the more you isolate yourself, the more you become withdrawn. And the more you become withdrawn, then when things affect you mentally, psychologically, emotionally, whether it's through the TV screen or through a health that you get on the screen from talking to your doctor or some negative news through a newspaper or a magazine, and that affects you and you're isolated or what if you fall at home and nobody, you don't have a lifeline and you don't have a family and you just lay there? I can see how you would become hopeless. But I want to tell you something. When you get isolated like that and your thinking goes just to within yourself, you are hit by facts of things that make an impression on you. And I want to tell you something as I end this podcast. It's going a little longer than I usually do today. But I want you to grasp this that what impresses you, if you don't express it, will lead to depression. The way I put it is, impression without expression leads to depression. Now, not always, but most of the time it will. The other thing it can lead to is another D word. 
it can lead to demolition. Demolition of yourself or someone else because you can only take so much. You can only stuff so much into a bag before it overflows or putting so much air in a tire before it explodes. And so it is. You put so much in your life and eventually you explode or implode. Now, you can explode inwardly or implode inwardly because of all that stress and all that stuffing irritates your arteries and it stops them up and it corrodes them and it causes heart problems and it causes problems with your joints. Or you can explode all over somebody else who may have nothing to do with the impression that led you to that demolition. But you do it anyway. And if you don't have a connection, if you're isolated, then you don't have an escape valve to let off that pressure to keep it from driving you to hopelessness, which could drive you to taking your life. So I want you to think about it this week. How are you connected? Are you connected just through a TV screen, through an iPad, through a computer, through your phone? Or are you really connected to at least one or two other human beings that mean something to you and you mean something to them? Don't let yourself be disconnected or isolated. It can lead to death. And I want you to live life to its fullest as long as you were meant to live according to God's choice. Blessing, protection, and favor until we meet again.